Welcome to episode 264 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Joy, Susan, Craig, and Mary. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Joy, Susan, Craig, and Mary for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them take what you like and leave the rest. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I am traveling, visiting my parents this weekend. Sad to report that my mother is actually still in the rehab facility. We're working hard to be able to bring her home. And that was part of what was going on during the visit. And in consequence, I had very little time to prepare a program. I will be sharing with you Mary Pearl T's thoughts on step three. Step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. That's the God that you understand, not a God of somebody else's understanding. It doesn't, if you were in a formal religion, it doesn't have to be that. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. It's the God that you can understand. And I remember the first speaker that I ever heard at a conference, her name was Ramona Belford, and she was an Indian girl from Oklahoma. And her spirit, her higher power was the great spirit. And she said, I would give you my higher power. But if I did, I would take away the joy of you developing that for yourself. And I thought, that's okay. I'll take yours. (laughs) I don't need joy. (laughs) You know. You know, but that's the truth, you know. And and the thing about it is, remember at this step, you're only being asked to make a decision. It doesn't say you turn your will and your life over because how do you do that? I don't know. How do you do that? I don't know. How do you find out? By working the rest of the steps. All you have to decide here is, are you going to do it on your own from now on like you've been doing, or are you going to ask a power greater than you to give you guidance and direction? Are you going to do it different here? That's all it's about. It's just making a decision to do it another way. Do it another way. And, you know, I found that... uh it's amazing when I when I decided I would take the third step prayer, and I, I took it and it was I was like maybe two or three o'clock in the morning. JD was working; he would get home around four, and I was sitting there and I thought, "Okay, God, I'm ready. I am ready to turn my will in my life. That's my thoughts and my actions. I'm going to run stuff past you instead of just going off on automatic. I'm going. I'm going to really try. I can see you've been working in my life." But now I want to make a conscious decision, a conscious decision to turn my will and my life over to you. And are you ready to get it? I need a sign. I need something to know that it's okay. And so I sat there and I got on my knees and I did the third step prayer. And nothing happened. I knew it. God don't want my will in my life. I figured it would come down to this. Maybe you're not looking in the right place. So I go rummaging over in a closet, and I go down in the bottom, and I pick up that Bible that I'd had when I was a little kid. 
And I brought it back and I said, I'm going to open it up and it's going to, God's going to say, okay. I opened it back. Don't mean a thing. Best two out of three. (laughs) Open it up. You know, nothing's happening. And so I just set it over there on top of the end table. And I'm so discouraged. And J.D. comes in. I said, well, I tried to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, but he doesn't want it. (laughs) J.D. said, really? I said, yeah. And he said, honey, I don't. And I said, don't argue with me. (laughs) This is my will, my God. He said, okay. So the next morning I get up. Now, what do you do? What do you do? Well, my sponsor had told me in the mornings all I need to do is say please. And that could be my prayer for the start of my day and end it with thank you. That's simple enough. Well, all I know to do is what I've been doing. So I say please and I reach over for my ODAT book. And my ODAT book is underneath the Bible where I had laid it on top of that end table. And I snatch my ODAT out from under that Bible lest it be contaminated. And I did my reading for the day. And then I thought, okay, and the book, the Bible fell in the floor. And so I thought, okay, I'll go and I'll put that back in the bottom of the box over there where it was. And I don't know why, but I just happened to glance down because it had fell open. And it said, be still and know that I am God. You know, so I, God did answer. God answers in his time and in his way, not necessarily on demand. And I knew, I knew, as one of the girls I sponsor says, down deep in your knower, you know, deep down inside where you know all things. And so I found that, you know, it says, turn your will and your life over the care of God, a loving God, not a punishing God, not a fearsome God, you know, a loving God, because God loves you and cares. God cannot hate that he creates, you know. And God knows you better than anybody else. And the funny thing is, the closer you spend time with God, the more you know about you. Because if you want to know how something ticks, get with the person who made it. You know, because God knows you and understands you. Now, I had lots of religious training as a child, but like I said, I didn't develop a relationship. And I found out that God doesn't hold grudges. And God doesn't, he's not into a lot of stuff that everybody gives him credit for, you know. God has a sense of humor. And I was talking to my sponsor, and I said, you know, if I could make God, this is how I'd make God. And I told her he would have a sense of humor. He would be very forgiving. He would always be loving. He would always be there. Always be there. No matter what I did, no matter if I screwed up or not, God would still love me. He wouldn't quit loving me. And she said, that's the way your higher power can be. She said, your God can be any way that you need your God to be. You know, and if anything touches me in any area of my life, God cares. God cares about those things. And God told us, she says, God can be all those things. And she says, God brings good orderly directions, the G-O-D, good orderly directions into your life each day. And if you follow those, It's okay. And I said, well, how do you know if you're doing God's will? She says, well, you know when you're not doing God's will. So you're halfway there. She says, if you don't do the things you know you're not supposed to do, chances are you might be doing something you should be doing, you know. And so 
that was how we started that journey. And she says, did you know whatever you think about the most becomes your higher power for that moment in time? If you're focusing on another person, they become your higher power because what they're doing and not doing is affecting how you're doing and not doing, feeling, whatever. So she says, you know, just be sure and let God be God. And don't put God in a box. Don't limit God on how he can do things. Just like they're putting the money in the pants pocket. You know, um, when my sister was in the hospital, she had to have heart surgery in 95. Um, I'd been spending a lot of money and a lot of time staying over at the hospital with her because she also had blood clots in her lungs after the surgery. So she didn't get to come home for a month. And that was a lot of extra expense from where I live back and forth every day. And I thought, oh, it's time for our annual yard party. And, oh, gosh, I'm running a little short. I'm going, I don't know if I'm going to have the money to be able to do that or not. And then I went to the post office. It was raining. I got out of the car, and I saw this dollar bill laying down there in the water. And I, it was folded, and I picked it up and threw it in the car and went on in the the post office and mail the stuff, got back later in the day. I thought, oh, I need to unwrap that so unwind it so it'll dry. And it was a $100 bill. See, I would never tell God to put it in a puddle in front of the post office. <laughs> so don't limit God on how he brings things to you, you know. And another thing, I had to trust God. Now, trusting God was a whole different thing. You can believe in God, but do you trust God? You see, a lot of times I had given God credit for doing bad things to me. I'd say God was the giant zapper. You know, you'll be going along and all of a sudden you get zapped, you know. Because what happened is I would have to accept the consequences of my actions. I call that zapping, you know. And that was just the natural consequence to have to take for the actions I had been taking. And so I had to learn to give God another chance. And so I had to forgive God for all those things I had blamed him for and ask him to forgive me for judging. And that cleared up that relationship for me. And God, following God's will doesn't just mean drifting along with the tide. you got to have a, a conscious, wholehearted bending of your will to merge with God's will, you know. And the acid test is, is it working? If it's not working, then you're not doing your part. Because God always does His. And if your God, you know, is not big enough, then get you a bigger God. You know, for a lot of times, people would say to me, well, when do you run, you know, what if you, God has a quota on things He'll do for you? I said, well, I think that's limiting God. I don't think God has a quota. I haven't got a quota on how many times I can screw up. <laughs> you know, it just happens. You know, you should wake up and there it is. And in order to have a God, you've got to quit being God, you know. And they had a big sign in the Serenity House that says, Today there's only one God, and you're not Him. <laughs> and, you know, that's the truth, because those are the kind of things that I would get into doing, playing God, or making decisions based on my will. And I was told to practice the presence of God in my life on a daily basis. And that is when you wake up in the morning, you know, it's like, God, here we go. Go with me this day. And my sponsor for a long time had me do mirror talk. And that's where I'd get up and I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, Good morning, God. Nothing's going to happen to me today that we can't get through together. Love God. You know, I'd do that and I'd say, But that's me looking. She said, It says that God is made, you're made in God's image. So if you're looking at you, you're looking at God. 
Because God is inside of each and every one. You know, we search for God everywhere. God's not lost, you know. He's right inside. What a sneaky place to hide. (laughs) You know, we have a tendency to look out there. But, you know, the problem with me is I have a spiritual hole. And that spiritual hole cannot be filled by things outside. I tried that for years. Haven't you ever said, whenever I get this, whenever I do that, whenever this happens, everything will be okay? And then you get that, do that, or get that, and guess what? It's still not okay because it hasn't filled that spiritual hole. And all that stuff out there is not really important. Once the spiritual hole is filled, you're okay. Whether all that stuff is okay or not, you're okay. So it's better to be okay than to worry about the other. And that, you know, there's two prayers too that it's like, God, let help, help me to let you work in my life today. Help me stay out of your way and don't let me push you aside. Cause so many times we push God aside. I think I got a better plan, you know, or it doesn't look like God's working on it. See, that's the thing. When you're not getting the results you think there ought to be happening, it's like God's not working on it. Well, God is working on it, whether it looks like it or not, you know, because there's no spot where God is not, you know. And so I've learned in the blessed block it. I'll say, God, here's what I think I need to do. Either bless it or block it. I'm okay either way. I want to do what you want me to do. If it's supposed to be, then bless it and let it go. And God, when you're blocking it, when you shut the door, Help me to recognize a closed door before I beat my head flat. (laughs) You know, you'd be surprised how many times you'll run your head into the door thinking, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Because, you know, we've got problems. We have problems with selfishness. How's it going to affect me? And then self-seeking, what's in it for me? And then the worst one, self-centeredness, it's all about me. You know, those are the things that block us, you know. And you got to use God for the little things. You know, I always feel like the big things in life, we can do those pretty good. Bad or good, we can get through those. But it's those everyday little fleas and ticks that drive you nuts. It's those little annoying things, you know. It's like my husband, he's a pack rat, and he uh, doesn't have a place for anything, so whenever he's through with it, there is its place. And whereas I'm organized and I have a place and I want things to be in their place. And so I live with a man who's just the opposite. Why do we do that? Why do we pick idiots that are so different from us? Because they're exciting. And because we love them, you know. And so I have to accept less than perfection. You know, if I don't, it'll drive me crazy. So when I see stuff laying out, I say to myself, how important is it? Is it worth, is it worth bad feelings to him? Is it worth making him feel less than to point out his defect today? Is it worth that today? Some days when I'm in a pissy mood, yeah, it's worth it. (laughs) That's what we have an amends step about. (laughs) You know? But you just gotta trust. You gotta trust God to bring those things. Um, we have, we have had lots of instances of things when you just have to turn it over and then accept what happens. What happens is God's will or it wouldn't be happening. You know, it has to be. And sometimes it's like, um, in, um, 
situation with my sister and her health situation, I had to keep saying, I trust you, God. 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 I have to just make that a mantra and keep saying it all the time. And then I'd say, I don't really trust you. But I'm going to say this until I can. Thank you. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Because it's like I didn't like what was happening. I didn't like the way it was. And I'm always telling my husband about stuff. I'll say, just get a grip here, boy. And you know what? I found out you get the best grip when you learn to let go. That's when you really get the grip, when God comes in. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.